Hello to all out there in Facebook world and the internet and absolutely having a great, great day here in Northeast Texas. It's been very nice these few days from what I understand that's going to hold true today and I think tomorrow and then after that Texas weather takes another turn and we'll see what happens. Uh, but we did have a little few snow flurries uh, last weekend, which was kind of fun. But then it cleared up and the sun came out and dried up the landy landy and everything was great. And so we had a we had a great weekend here at West Irwin Church of Christ. Lots of fellowship things going on, some wonderful Bible classes and worship time. And um, even watched a little bit of the Super Bowl together with a few of us. So that was kind of fun. Glad that you're joining in on this Tuesday afternoon. Uh, we are going through the book of Numbers primarily today and this week. But then we'll also be uh, heading up to uh, looking forward to next week when uh, we begin uh, uh, a study through the laws of Moses as we follow along with Dr. F. Lagarde Smith in the daily Bible in chronological order. Hope that this is helping you. Hope that you're involved in daily Bible reading and daily Bible study, and that you're connected with the church family somewhere and are being able to uh, challenge yourself through the study of God's word and hoping that this helps along that line. Um, these readings that we're in right now, we've been in the wilderness wanderings. We're getting close to the end of that as we see Moses making some final uh, actions and uh, speeches, uh, but we're also going to be uh, taking a, a, a long trek through the law of Moses and looking at the various uh, ceremonial laws and other laws that God gave his people uh, through the great lawgiver, Moses. So I'm really looking forward to that. That will be a wonderful presentation, the way the attorney, <laughs> the lawyer, uh, Brother Smith uh, takes us through that and arranges that. I think you'll find that very interesting and helpful as well. This week, as we're reading through these, before we get to those final speeches of Moses and the law next week, um, we uh, we read about some interesting things. Uh, perhaps you saw some of my little blurbs about the talking donkey, and actually we're going to read that story uh, today because that is... Um, that's one of those things where you just kind of shake your head and you say, wow, I didn't know that one was in there, but it is. Uh, it truly is. But there are some other stories that we've been seeing as we've been going through this section uh, of the book of Numbers. We saw Moses uh, getting a little bit prideful, I think, as uh, he was getting pretty frustrated and tired of these Israelites and how they kept complaining and griping and whining and uh, one of the things they whined for was uh, water. And so Moses uh, goes to God and God says, speak to this rock and there will be water that will come out. And Moses goes over to that rock and strikes it. And it seems like there's a little bit of pride going on. And Moses seems to be uh, taking perhaps a little more credit than is right. Uh, we have to give Moses the benefit of the doubt. I mean, if there was ever a guy that put up with a lot and led God's people faithfully, not perfectly, but faithfully, it was the great lawgiver Moses. Uh, but for whatever the reasons, uh, God says, because of your sinfulness, you and Aaron and Miriam, uh, the three siblings, 
none of those three would enter the promised land. And so Miriam dies, Aaron dies, and uh, as we know, his uh, first two sons, Nadab and Abihu, were unfaithful to God, offering up unauthorized worship. And so uh, instead of them being, uh, one of them being the next priest, next high priest, after Aaron, uh, it is uh, it is their brothers, uh, Eliezer and, and uh, his family, that become the high priestly family. And Phinehas, his son, becomes another one uh, that will lead uh, God's people in that role. Uh, but for now, Moses is still alive, uh, uh, and he is uh, sharing with the Israelites after Aaron's passing and talking to them about what happens next. And one of the things that will happen next, uh, God tells Moses, is Joshua will be given the leadership of his people. Moses will uh, not see that entry into the promised land. He'll get a view of it as he goes up on Mount Nebo and doesn't come down, uh, but he won't get to enter in. As they cross the Jordan River, it'll be under Joshua's leadership. And I think Moses is okay with that because I think at age 120, having uh, led the Israelites for the last 40 years. I think he's ready. And he trusts Joshua, I'm sure, completely because Joshua has been his aide. Joshua was there as uh, on the Mount on Mount Sinai with him a little bit further down. And Joshua and Caleb, you remember, were the two faithful spies out of the 12 who told the Israelites, hey, with God's help, we can do this. We can take the promised land, but they refused to listen to them listen to the other 10 who were fearful rather than faithful. And because of that, for every day those spies were gone, uh, searching out the promised land of Canaan and coming back with fruit and talking about the armies and the people in the land, um, there were 40 days that they were gone. And for each of those days, the Israelites spent one year in the wilderness wandering. So 40 years later, after getting delivered out of Egyptian bondage and crossing the Red Sea and beginning that trek, uh, 40 years later, here they are on the brink of entering the promised land. But before they do that, Moses um, has a few things to tell them. And and Joshua will be the man uh, that will enter in. And those uh, two and a half tribes, uh, Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh, one of the sons of Joseph, uh, that saw that land on the east side of the Jordan River and said, you know, this is good. this will work pretty well for our family. And so they go to Moses and they say, hey, we want to settle here. You know, we y'all can split up the uh, promised land on the west side of the Jordan. We'll take uh, this area over here. And Moses at first is very uh, um, uh, disappointed in them because he says, hey, this sounds just like those 10 spies who said, no, we don't want to go on. We want to go back. And um, and they said, no, 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 no. We're not talking about not going with our brothers and fighting for them so that they too can receive their inheritance. We're we're just saying we'll, we'll uh, establish some uh, safety here. We'll leave our women and children here, but we'll definitely go across the, the Jordan and we'll go with our brothers and we'll fight with them side by side. And when God delivers the land on the other side of the Jordan, then we'll come back and we'll be faithful to that promise. And sure enough, they were. And so Moses is relieved and the people of Israel uh, uh, celebrate uh, that great uh, unity that they 
uh, that they had. But then there's this interesting story about Balak, who was the king of Moab, and Balaam, who was some kind of prophet, diviner that God used, uh, and um, a donkey. <laughs> yes, a donkey. And so Balak, the king of Moab, and I'm in starting in uh, Numbers chapter 22, uh, Balak realizes that he can't beat uh, Israel in a, in a war. And so he says, you know, I need to get some other means. And so he calls on Balaam, who is some kind of diviner, some kind of medium prophet or something. And he calls on Balaam to come over and he says, look, uh, he sends word to him and he says, hey, I'll pay you handily if you will curse these Israelites that are coming here and are saying they're going to take over our land. And so God speaks to Balaam. And God tells Balaam, look, don't go with him. This is not from me. Do not go with him. And so the next day, Balaam tells them, hey, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't go. The Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, said no, so I can't do it. And they come back to him again, and they say, hey, we'll pay you even more. <laughs> and so Balaam, you can tell, really wants to go. And so finally, the Lord tells him, okay, I tell you what, you can go. And you can do what they ask, but you can only say what I give you to say. And so to Balaam's credit, uh, he tells the messengers of Balak and he tells Balak, the king himself, look, I'm, I'm willing to do this and I'll be glad to cash your check, but you got to understand, uh, I can only say what the Lord gives me to say. Well, they say that'll be fine. And so when uh, Balaam is taken to a place where he can see the Israelite army, he blesses them instead of cursing them. The king of Moab, Balak, wanted him to curse them. And instead, what comes out of Balaam's mouth is great blessings and accolades given to the Israelites and assurance of their success and victory. Well, Balak is upset, so he takes him somewhere else and says, look, try it from this angle. And, and, and Balaam says, I'm telling you, I can only tell you what the Lord gives me to say. And sure enough, he blesses him, them again. And uh, Balak just becomes more and more furious as they continue on. And, uh, and yet that's everything that they're, that they're doing. And uh, finally, uh, Balak gives up. And ba after several different uh, oracles, uh, seven or so, that Balaam gives, uh, praising the Israelites and assuring their victory, uh, Balak finally gives up. But in the midst of all of that, uh, when Balaam is starting to go to King Balak and has agreed, and, and even though the Lord has said go, uh, he is not pleased with Balaam at all. And so here's this fun story out of the Bible in Numbers chapter 22, beginning at verse 21. Numbers 22, verse 21. I'm just going to read for a bit because it's too good not to. Balaam got up in the morning, Numbers 22, 21, saddled his donkey and went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it to get it back on the road. 
Verse 24, Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam, and he was angry and beat it with his staff. So here's what's happened. The angel of the Lord has come to oppose Balaam and to kill him. And for some reason or another, God decides to let the donkey in on the secret, but not Balaam. The donkey sees the angel of the Lord, donkeys got their stubbornness but this was one stubborn donkey and he first tries to just get off the road and then he tries to go against the wall anything finally he just sits down and he's not going anywhere and anything to try to keep uh, Balaam from moving forward towards that angel of the Lord for certain death to not only Balaam but also the donkey and it's not wanting that at all and so then this interesting thing happens in Numbers 22, verse It said to Balaam, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Now, I got to say, if it were me and the donkey I was riding looked up at me and said, hey, what's going on? Why have you beaten me these three times? I'm pretty sure you would have, I would have to be revived. I'm pretty sure I would be right out cold right there. Someone would have to come in with the smelling salts or whatever, but uh, I don't know. But Balaam, I don't know. He takes this like it happens all the time. I'm sure there's more detail than what the scripture uh, reveals. I have a feeling that's true, and that's true everywhere. Scripture is certainly selective, uh, but... Let's start that again, and then we'll keep reading uh, this time. Then the Lord, Numbers 22, 28, Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and it said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, You have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No. Balaam said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now, but I would have spared it. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. So, <laughs> really interesting scene here. Uh, Balaam first says to Balak and... Now 
really say what I tell you. And so then when Balaam goes on, the Lord decides that this is not good and Balaam is not going to be faithful and he's going to uh, kill him. And the angel of the Lord is there. The donkey sees him, but Balaam does not. And so he beats the donkey three times when the donkey tries to stop them from being killed by going forward with the angel of the Lord. And then after the third time, they have this conversation. <laughs> and it's like, wait, what? It's just a regular old conversation that a man has with his donkey. You know, it happens all the time. Uh, why are you beating me? Well, because you keep stopping. <laughs> and then God opens up Balaam's eyes and he sees the angel of the Lord there. And, and he hears that message from the Lord. Look, you are a dead man if it weren't for this donkey. So instead of beating it, you should have been praising it and thanking it for your very life. But Balaam, again, to his credit, I think, he tells the angel of the Lord, look, if you're displeased with me, I've sinned, I'll, I'll go back. We'll call this whole thing off. And again, God says, no, go ahead, but only say what I tell you to say. I'm, I, it's just one of those mysterious little caveats in Scripture that if you're not doing something like daily Bible reading, you won't find. You won't read. You won't catch because nobody knows it's there unless they're just reading through the book of Numbers, and then they come up to it. And sure enough, there's one of those little hidden stories that is so fabulous, so marvelous, so surprising, so unique, and yet it's allowed to go on. Um, interesting little thing as we read a few chapters ahead in, chapter, uh, in the chapters that follow, as I said, Balaam does what he has said he would do. He only says what the Lord tells him to say, and Balak is furious, but Balaam says, hey, this was the deal. I told you I could only say the message the Lord gave me to say, and it's a good one if you're an Israelite, and it's not good news uh, for Balak and for Moab and for the Midianites. And so um, Balaam is able to praise and bless uh, the people of Israel. And if only he had settled with that, but what happens in the chapters that follow some of the Midianites uh, try to enter Mary with the Israelites, and the Israelite men uh, are not faithful. And uh, sure enough, uh, God is unhappy with them, and 24,000 of them are die, of the Israelites die in a plague, until uh, Phinehas, Eliezer's faithful son, the grandson of Aaron, uh, is able to uh, take the sword in his hand and mete out some justice uh, by the the authority of the Lord, and the Lord is is pleased and stops uh, that plague. But later on, uh, a little side note to Balaam, this diviner, um, this seer, later on in chapter 31, uh, when the Midianites are, are finally punished because of this sinful uh, intermarriage, it's, it's found that Balaam is killed along with him. And Balaam is seen as being an instigator in the whole thing. Amazingly enough, in spite of what God had done through him, uh, Balaam turns away and turns towards those probably who offer him the biggest cash uh, settlement. Um, and so Balaam, from that point on, uh, several passages in the Old Testament and the New Testament becomes an example of someone who led people astray and who was ultimately destroyed 
because of it. Um, great lesson in that about Balaam, a great lesson in that also about all of the people uh, of Israel during this time. And the, uh, the little footnote that we'll end with today, on Thursday we'll look at this great speech, these two speeches that Moses gives and recounts much of what we've read in a summary fashion, warning the Israelites of what's ahead. But before we get there, they have this census and they count all the people and it's almost exactly the same number of fighting men as when they left Egypt and had the first census. A few, few less actually, uh, but not very many when you consider there's over 600,000 of them, of the fighting men. But this, uh, this note at the end of Numbers chapter 26, starting in verse 63, these are the ones counted by Moses and Eleazar the priest when they counted the Israelites on the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. Not one of them was among those counted by Moses and Aaron the priest when they counted the Israelites in the desert of Sinai. For the Lord had told those Israelites they would surely die in the wilderness, and not one of them was left except Caleb son of Jephunneh and Joshua son of Nun. All of those people who left Egypt and saw all of those great miracles, saw all of those plagues, saw the power of God firsthand, in an incredible way, crossed the Red Sea on dry ground, saw it come together and destroy the army of the Egyptians that wanted to kill them, and then saw God's great provision during the wilderness wanderings. Not a single one of them was faithful enough to make it to the Promised Land with two exceptions, Joshua and Caleb, those two faithful spies. Both of them will go with the Israelites. Uh, Joshua will lead them, Caleb of the tribe of Judah, uh, will be a, a strong warrior and will take his uh, inheritance in one of the most difficult parts of the promised land. But knowing God will work with him, uh, he will overcome. It's just a great reminder to us that God has power. He can make a donkey speak. And he can also provide deliverance for his people. We remember all of those that weren't able to cross. But that passage also reminds us that there were hundreds of thousands of others who were born and came forward and were able to cross into that promised land. The question we end with today is, in which group are you? In which group are you? I look forward to seeing you on Thursday afternoon.